Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend in Fuego. Nobody across from me today because like on Friday, it's a very special episode. We're going to be talking about a new 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons campaign in a setting in a city of artists where bards inspire revolution. If you want to get a hold of us, you can do so by uh, emailing us, bjgeeknation at gmail.com. You can find all of that information, our blogs, uh, all of our old podcasts, and more at bjgeeknation.com. Very excited for this because if uh, if you've played D&D for a while, you know, sometimes you want to try something different. Or maybe you have that class that is the one that is for you. Like it's your favorite class and you just wish they would get a little bit deeper into that. For my two guests today, it's about the bards and uh, all of the different crazy things that bards can do. So very excited to talk with our guests. With me today, very excited for this because if you head over to thebardbook.com, I mean, it basically tells you everything you need to know, but uh, maybe not so much. We've got Satine Phoenix and Jameson Stone with us, and this is for Sirens Battle of the Bards, which... um. Sounds like it would be a bard-only thing, but uh, it's not necessarily down to just bards only, but uh, definitely heavily influenced about uh, with bards. Uh, tell me a little bit about what uh, all of this is about. Absolutely. So we wanted to create a really epic uh, campaign and setting um, focused on bards, but not exclusive to bards. Uh, so our Apotheosis Studios' last book was called The Red Opera, and that focused on warlocks. And so our dual city of Yonkoth uh, was a city ruled by warlocks. And so we have arch, you know, arch, um, fey, fiends, Elrich gods, great old ones floating around. Um, and it was a really, you know, awesome campaign and setting, but you didn't have to be a warlock to be there. In fact, we actually had um, our criminal underground in that setting were clerics who wanted to kill all of the warlocks. So, oh, um, yeah, now what you would think <laughs> of, you know, clerics being kind of the, the uh, you know, elite criminal underground. But we then uh, wanted to take a look at another one of our uh, beloved uh, uh, classes and uh, focus on bards. And so to be able to work with Satine, who's been, um, you know, ha has this amazing live stream show called Sirens, originally Sirens of the Realms, and now now it's just Sirens. And to be able to weave the lore of Sirens um, and bards together for this new setting has been a real pleasure. Yeah. And it's uh, I've been able to catch some of the Sirens because we have a, a, a bit of a mutual acquaintance with uh, Jason Charles Miller. Uh, yeah, I was a, a big fan of his uh, stuff uh, back in the day with like Godhead and the fact that he's gone super heavy into nerddom um, has been just fantastic to be able to watch him do that. So be able to see him on some of the streams and uh, deal with all of that was a real treat. And then come to find out that he's even doing stuff with uh, with all of uh, this uh, with this whole setting as well is pretty exciting on that end and getting to get into the deep dive of bardom as it would be um seems a lot of fun is that was it was it your calling did you feel that you needed to uh, kind of push out some bard content because it seems like everybody whenever a person plays a bard and they're uh they come into a group a lot of people kind of have a preconceived notion of what the bard's going to be maybe just the seducer or just the sitting in the back of the uh, group uh, playing some music for everyone else to be inspired. And it seems like you guys wanted to be able to have more of a chance for um, people to uh, embrace the differences of being that class. 
Absolutely. So in 2017, I was trying to think up a new show idea. And I was like, how cool would it be to have an all-girl bard band on tour through the realms? It was a way for me to learn about the Forgotten Realms. And I was like, that's cool because I'm an Eberron girl. And, you know, I was like, okay, how do I do this? Well, they're a part of a spy network. And I have a character that I made, Blanya, who's the band manager. And she has an entire spy network of performers that's a really good way to infiltrate places is through entertainment. And I'm from Los Angeles, so um, I know what bards are. Bards are artists, they're writers, they're musicians, they're, um, you know, sculptors. So uh, it was a way to explore bards. And also I love multi-classing. And it was a way to showcase all the, I have a lot of awesome friends who are cosplayers. And I wanted to show people that you could have fun playing Dungeons and Dragons. Because a lot of the games pre, I would say, 2014, 2015, they're real dark. And I've gone through a lot of darkness in my life. And I really want that (laughs) hero feeling in my games. So, you know, by day, they're performers. uh, And by night, they're performers. And also by day and night, they're um, also uh, spies. So, you know, by... Having these people showcase all the variety of um, ways you can be a bard, but also the dynamic, you know, you can be mysterious and dark or you can be light and bubbly and whatever it is, it's about working together. And so that's like the, the, the super meta image of this is how does a group of people work together? And you see it all the time with performers. They have this cohesion, this harmony, and you don't see that very often with adventurers. <laughs> You see them going off in different directions. And um, yeah, so this bards are a good way to explore how to put how to get people to work together um, to overcome obstacles. And with uh, this whole setting, and again, you can go to kickstarter.com and just search for uh, Sirens Battle of the Bards. But I mean, really, it's super simple. If you just go to the bardbook.com, we have all the links on our social media as well to check all of this out. Um, Much like the Warlock setting that you had early with Apotheosis, you now have your own setting and it's actually very epic, including over like just so many areas, including 10 different districts. How did you come about to um, create this new setting? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thank you for asking. So we wanted to create a place uh, that was really inspired by artists and made made by artists for artists and where you have the brightest lights, you also have the deepest, darkest shadows. Um, so the, the inception of Selvata uh, was there was an oasis out in the middle of the desert and a bunch of druids and bards uh, were traveling in a caravan and stumbled upon it and gave thanks to the gods because it allowed them to stay alive. Um, the gods then smiled down upon them and blessed the waters with this magical essence called Kesaba um, that kind of fueled their creative and and magical properties. So they created kind of a little way station there. um, And it was on the night of an eclipse. Um, And so they then uh, came, came back um, a hundred years later when they knew that it would happen again. And they kind of gave this performance to hopefully re invoke um, the gods to re bless those sacred waters. And they did. And so um, they started kind of, really building a, a community around this oasis of these artists. And they built disc after disc every hundred years, uh, both to celebrate and um, kind of really emphasize the trials and tribulations of the past generations and the past hundred years and what it took for them to kind of build up and, and gain higher and higher and higher and more and more power. Um, eventually, however, other people started to flock to this location as well. 
particularly the Emerald Cabal. And the Emerald Cabal is one of the kind of arch nemesis of Lanya and her sirens from um, from the sirens uh, live stream. And so it's been really fun to be able to work those aspects in and then really feel out how this demonic presence and the dark kind of seedy underbelly of this beautiful city and the ways that it can become corrupted um, and bringing in other characters from the Sirens um, kind of universe, uh, such as Jason Charles Miller, his character Brig. Brig is just absolutely fantastic. Um, and I, I, I love Jason. Jason Jason is, the for me, the perfect example of a musical bard. You can both be a bard <laughs> and be a total badass, too. Um, he's got a warlute. He's a warlute. Like, and, and, and his character Brig is, uh, is, is just absolutely fantastic so we're trying to be able to say hey you know re re-envision what it is to be a bard and and you can still be you know an epic warrior you know combat oriented if you'd like um or if you don't want to play a bard that's totally okay too you don't have to be a bard in Salvata, and you don't have to be a bard to enjoy our campaign and setting yeah you don't have to be an entertainer to enjoy vegas yeah, true. Yeah, you can still go to go to Vegas, have a great time, get in fights, light yeah, some stuff on fire, blow up the city. It's totally it's your call. Do whatever you like. Yeah, the, the city itself. We looked at it as you know, here is its history, and artists and musicians and writers they they're good at harnessing and capturing history. So every time you look up, you see the trials that they went through, and you go to that next disc, and you got to see you get to see them overcome it, and also it's a magic item. We really leaned into um, sacred geometry when building this. Like, what is this? Is it just a structure or is it useful? Yeah, it's useful. It's literally something that can pull down energy from the gods and pull up water from underneath. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's those two things and it, it isn't alive, but it does have this like its own character. And we wanted to, you know, I've, we've studied cities, you know, real cities and uh, fantasy cities, and we wanted to create something that was captivating and different and something that you would want to save. Because the whole premise of the story is that Vlania is reaching out to her spy network and says, please, please come and save the city. The Emerald Cabal are here and they're they are destroying it. They're corrupting it. And we have to overcome this evil. Uh, and which, as you're moving through the districts, you get to see the corruption and hopefully get to see all the beauty to understand what, you know, how powerful it can be to um, overcome that type of obstacle. The, the city itself is a representation of the hero's journey. And this book, like you've said, like it's more than just a source book. It's a full campaign, which means over the course of multiple different uh you have different endings, different ways to go about all of these things. And I just love the fact that putting in all of this effort for the world building, it's no small feat to create an entire setting for it. I've tried before. And then like with you, uh, I love Eberron. So I've basically just kind of yeah. stuck with Eberron. And I, I just love the fact that with a, with a setting like that, you can go from one area like, you know, Sharn, which is definitely the capital dealing with maybe kind of the CD underground sort of things, or you can move all the way across to the other side and basically have just an old Western. I'm going yeah. on with that. So having those different distinctions, and it seems like uh, with the different discs, you'll be able to have different distinctions in different areas um, where maybe you can find a special thing that you might need for one area in a different one that has a totally exactly. different theme. Yeah, we've got um, like the the politics plays a big part in this. You know, you've got your working class and you have your nobles, and that's going. You know, the 
the amount of magic and um, the way energy and money flows through the city is a, is a big part of it. So each district is different because of the power that um, kind of controls it. And, and because each district was built every hundred years, it was a very intentional like city planning project um, to create the city as a superstructure, as a magical item itself. The districts um, were built with intention. And so each one really maintains its own unique quality. Um, closer down to the sands and the actual ground floor are much more earthy, um, you know, more of the kind of working class and the, the relatively normal people living their lives mixed with entertainment and kind of ushering in um, people who are coming there um, to see yeah. a spectacle and a like show. A Rome or London, yeah. you know, you get to see the ancientness next to things that are new and shiny and refurbished. Yeah. And the higher, the higher that you go, it becomes more magical and more rarefied where you we introduce uh, aspects of elemental planes. And at the very top, the 10th disc um, is this actual, even an additional kind of capping stone of this magical item uh, because the gods have said, we are no longer going to infuse your water every 100 years. This is it. So mm. make, make this make this last. Um, and so Calrath, uh, who is our grand chancellor for the past 300 to 400 years, has been planning out this final invocation uh, to be able to have uh, the city itself be this kind of self-perpetuating um, system that allows it to still maintain all of its magic. Um, and that's where the Emerald Cabal comes in because instead of invoking um, the, the gods, as has been happened in previous uh, generations, uh, they wish to invoke a demon. And so um, there's this power struggle within the city of how this all plays out. Um, and Vlanya sending her call out to get uh, the party members to infiltrate the city and to infiltrate um, this grand invocation um, is our call to action. And so it's it's epic and exciting and, and artistically inspired. Yeah, I, I've uh, I've been recently watching a couple of shows, uh, The Nevers, and then also Shadow and Bone. And when you're talking about that, it seems to kind of invoke that sort of same thing. Like it's not it's not steampunk, but it's got that like sort of almost punk. Oh, hands down, Arcana punk. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah, I was yeah. wondering. I was trying to figure out the term that would be good with that. So Arcana punk is perfect. It it tells you exactly what you need to know about all of it. So that is amazing. And yeah, actually, we, we've been so busy. We haven't been able to watch those. I know. I'm I, excited I, to see those shows. Oh, yeah. that's, so that's our like post Kickstarter is going to yeah. be like <laughs> horizontal watching of television yeah. and then going camping. Yeah, camping and hiking. Yeah, <laughs> oh. now that it's spring. <laughs> right. Yeah. The fact that uh, the weather's doing a little bit better now. I'm not sure where you guys are at. We're in, I'm in the Pacific Northwest. So I'm just kind of waiting until the rain stops and really hope <laughs> at this point that or at least just get some tarps or something. When it comes down to camping. Uh, now, the Kickstarter goes until May 22nd. Uh, and right now you can go and you can get basically from the, the PDF or if even if you just want to support them by going as low as a dollar, multiple, multiple tiers. And you guys are working um, first off with a bunch of amazing collaborators that is as you hit stretch goals, you're announcing many of them, which is pretty amazing because you've got people from uh, Deborah Ann Wall, who has been on Daredevil and multiple uh, Netflix uh, Marvel shows. And uh, which I didn't even realize up until after, I think, the third season of Daredevil that she was such a big nerd and she was getting yeah. into all of it. She's a good dungeon master. She has a show on Geek and Sundry yep. called Relics and Requilaries, I believe. Rarities? I can't remember. Mm -hmm. um, but she also is the dungeon master of Lost Odyssey. And that's a show that we did. It was uh, her, Matthew Lillard, uh, TJ Storm, myself, and Xander Gernay, where we actually perform... And she's dungeon mastering on stage and we fill up the theater. It's really wow. cool. She is probably like 
I feel like I'm a really hardcore nerd. <laughs> She's like right up there with me. That this woman, awesome. it's really hard, like really intense <laughs> about her nerddom. <laughs> and, then, and then even you were talking about, we would talk about Eberron, but uh, Keith Baker, um, how, how yeah. Keith, which uh, we've had on the uh, podcast, re, uh, you know, when Eberron was re-released because of how excited I was for that. He's going to be adding some stuff as well. It's, it's cool because these are people from, I mean, obviously they are bards if you look at them as a, as a class and they're completely different aspects. So it really helps kind of let it sink in what this entire setting, what this campaign is about. Yeah. I mean, we even have uh, Chris Funk from the Decemberists, right? So, um, and every, everyone on Jameson's team, Jameson's the CEO of Apotheosis Studios. Um, there's musicians, writers, artists, sculptors. They're all bards. And we were sitting there. So we're a co-creative directors. And we also have a writing director, Rick Heinz. And we have our art director, David Granjo. And the four of us are coming up with ideas. And we realized this is IRL adventure. <laughs> we are, the adventure is make the most badass uh, setting that no in, in a way that no one else has done before. You know, and how do we make it different? And like, that's the quest. So we're on this quest to make this um, and make it like completely immersive, a full yeah. orchestral soundtrack. And, you know, from VTTs to our minis and our like super unique uh, dice. Transmutation. That no dice. one's ever done before, you know. Yeah, expand a little bit on the transmutation dice because that sounds super interesting. Yeah, so uh, we're working with Level Up Dice, and we have your hard edge polyhedrals, which we're, we love. Um, but as collectors, and you can see behind us, we have we collect. <laughs> this is one of three of our libraries. Nice. Um, we wanted to create something that stood out from everything anyone else was doing. We wanted it to represent our book, obviously, and the arts, because bards are master communicators. Bards are emotion evokers, and these are things that do that. So we've got um, an ink pen and ink well to represent your percentiles. We have an askew of books that are your D6 that roll really fun. It's like an optical <laughs> illusion when you see them land on like that that edge, that weird book, like the, the side of the book. You're like, how does it do that? Um, you've got your mic drop D20 because, well, you know, maybe microphones are modern, but it's cool. So we right? wanted to make yeah. it. We wanted to, basically, we made things that we wanted. And as a visual person, it's hard for me sometimes. I've been playing D&D for 33 years. It's still hard to find the D10 and the D8. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> but if I have a shape that I can look to, I can quick reference it. Your game's going to go faster. Uh, you're, being, you're able to read the numbers because we actually have them in uh, white with gold numbering. So the contrast, like everything that we've done with this game is and, and everything, all the accessories has to do with efficiency of use and faster, more efficient gameplay. That is fantastic when it comes down to it. Cause I remember, Oh, I think I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dice fiend. It really comes down to having <laughs> to get as many different dice as possible. And even with, uh, I remember the rogue dice or the wizard dice, which were the same concept on that. And, and oh, the, the poly, um, uh, poly hero yeah the poly hero ones exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. and I, it was like an instant buy on those and it was like they have the little book ones too but they're just uh two-siders yeah so, yeah uh, i've got the purple and blue ones uh, i bought yeah. yeah i think i bought three different sets <laughs> <laughs> yeah see so it's stuff like that where you're you look at it and you're like 
this is so unique and it's so complex to make that it's, it's, we want people to cherish it the way we cherish it. So we have them in resin and we have them in metal and, and aluminum, this like bronze. Oh, aluminum. wow. Yeah. They're yeah. very it cool. It's like tar- tarnished Egyptian gold. It, yeah. It's, they're absolutely gorgeous. And yeah. you, guys, you guys are even partnering partnering with Wormwood Gaming, which is like synonymous yep. with amazing accessories and yeah. the boxes that they have. We like you're showing some right now. So I know the people <laughs> in podcast land can't see this, but uh, we're we're showing our Wormwood boxes right now. Uh, the inside actually features Selvata, our city, uh, so oh. you can roll into the city. Um, there's a beautiful <laughs> metallic inlay, a brass inlay in the actual boxes for, on the purple the heart, purple heart version, and then we have um, a, another version. That's a cherry and it has uh, in, like the laser engraving. Yep. But the feature that we really liked at this is we're gamers and one day we will leave the house and game with our friends. Right. We wanted a place that would, or wanted to be able to house our minis, our campaign coins, and our dice in a tray that you could either get the resin dice, the regular polyhedrals, or our specialty dice. So Wormwood has a tray for that. And and so you can see that they're shaped very interestingly. So you're not kind of stuck trying to put these unique dice in a normal um, dice tray. Yeah, along with your minis too. So we have a, a miniature pack. Uh, we, we were really, really uh, happy to work with Mixed Dimensions. And so they're full color miniatures. Um, I used to play a lot of Warhammer 40K. So I, I love to actually paint yeah, minis oh, too. Minis. Yeah, I've got, a, I've got a, my Ultramarines <laughs> back there. Um, but uh, to be able, and people can still paint these minis too if they'd like, um, but to have full color miniatures just ready to go at a really, really, really good price point. Um, and translucent. And there's translucent. I don't know how, I literally yeah, don't you, know how. You can't paint that. So um, <laughs> we have translucent magic effects, um, which is, it's, it, they're, they're truly, truly unique. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so interesting. We, we have something inside of these minis too. So when uh, people buy them and we start releasing more things in the future, you'll be able to realize that like the things that you get now will feed into other projects we are going to have. Because as you can see, we have the warlockbook.com, the bardbook.com, and we're both relentless workers. So we will be doing um, a whole lot more books. That is, I think that's the most exciting part about it is you're, essentially it feels like you're creating your own continent um class based but yeah. <laughs> again it's just like the way that they can interact as they're going along it reminds me playing magic the gathering with uh, ravnica like they have the, all of their areas that are specific for them but at the same point in time um all are inclusive all are included you're just going to have to play by the rules of this area whatever they may be Yeah. And the cool thing is like the way we're setting these uh, books up, we're creating cities. We're not saying like, this is the world you have to play in. We're saying, take this city, plant it wherever you want. And then of course, you know, we also are masterminds at uh, world building. So yeah, there's some stuff in the future, but for now, like definitely take, you know, Yonkoth and play it in whatever northern area of your world that you want to, either, you know, a pre-made setting or your own homebrew. Yeah. You know, uh, Salvata is an oasis. So that's in a desert. Just plant it in whatever desert. It's an awesome, super epic side quest <laughs> for your, all, your campaign that you've already have running or a new one that you can start at. So we've got um, this campaign, we're, at, we're suggesting tier two. We also have stat blocks for tier three and four as well. Tier two is good because that way you can multi-class and you can actually 
really get the feel of all the cool dynamics of your of your classes. Because if you start at one, I don't know, I always end up skipping levels one to three whenever I play pre-made adventures. Yeah. So I'm saying, don't skip it. Just go right for it. <laughs> you what know, people really, again, we're longtime gamers. And so a lot of people have characters that they love. They're a little bit higher level. They have parties that have been adventuring for a while. And once one campaign kind of naturally kind of comes to a close, um, we've created this to, you can port your entire party, have them come into the city and start an entirely new adventure and then transition off into another adventure too. Um, and, and to have that really feel seamless. And so let's say people are, you know, level 11, 12, 13, 14, we have stat blocks for each of those different tiers. And so the game master doesn't have to do the math on the fly. It's right there at their fingertips. And at the same time, we're like, so do you want to play this game in uh, easy, medium, or hard mode? And <laughs> oh, nice. um, you can run it right out of the book. Or we have, we've actually separated the, the actual book into five different books. There's a whole book for the game masters where, you know, here's how factions work. Here's how you, you can work with your players to make sure that the, bar, the, the barbarian who doesn't want to be a bard still has an effect in the group as uh, feigning, you know, being a part of this band. So, it, and even to the point of, here's some bad guys to choose from. Well, here's how you fine tune the bad guys to change the way the world looks at you. The, like the Emerald Cabal has, uh, has a very distinct theme, right? But that theme can change depending on the fiend that your dungeon master picks. So I'm trying not to give too much away. Yeah, yeah. It's, but hard, like, it's hard to dance around spoilers. <laughs> yeah, but for Game Masters, this is really important because you can basically take this game and pick one route and kind of pre in your pre-campaign works workups, you can say, okay, we're doing this. This is going to affect the way the Emerald Cabal is in the world and all the different parts are going to be affected like this. Then if you want to play the campaign again, you change certain elements and the city is completely different. So that you can have like really intense replayability. I think that's really important when it comes down to, I mean, uh, I think the last year has helped um, uh, role playing games and such uh, with the virtual tabletop editions. And I know a lot of people are playing a lot of the content that is out there. So having the chance to be able to revisit this city in different ways, because uh, I'm one of those people who will, I have a full D&D Beyond account and I'll, I'll just theory craft characters and I'll just be sitting there. And so when it gets down to it, it's like, maybe it's like, well, no, I want to go back to this, but I want to try it with this type of character or this type of group. <laughs> you can now do that. Yeah, exactly. And we've developed our subclasses. So we've got 10 Bard subclasses and uh, we, two of them we can share. The other okay. ones we're going to kind of hold on to because we don't want to give too much away. But um, we've developed these subclasses so that they don't lean on um, your typical bard charisma stat, right? Because sometimes you have introverted artists and these introverted artists aren't performing. Maybe their thing is more um, finesse, right? Like hand-eye coordination or like fine motor skills, or it's, uh, we have the College of Anatomy, and that is your physical. That is the dancer. That is the the person who is a master at their body and communicates through their body. So you've got um, a, a dexterity-based bard who doesn't need verbal components to cast their spells. Ooh, 
Wow, that's actually really cool. And I could literally, I, I'm just envisioning now that at this point in time, like a belly dancer or something like that, exactly. who's literally casting a spell as they're dancing around. And if you're not, uh, if your character isn't necessarily akin to that, maybe they're a wizard and they only know verbal commands or, you know, that sort of thing. It comes as a surprise when suddenly things start happening. Yeah, we have a um, a monk who's used dexterity based as well as a a martial artist. So they can have the actual art form of of their combat be both beautiful and inspiring as well. Yeah. And we have Alicia Marie, who is um, she is playing uh, an aerialist. So, uh, yeah, say you're what if your player is deaf? You know, that's not fair to have uh, to force them to speak. So, um, yeah, that we really wanted to lean into other other abilities and also being able to subclass. Right. So if you're a monk, you also can take a subclass with a dexterity based bard subclass. And so you're not giving up this character that you had been developing for however long you can actually just also take you know, go to the Salvatian University and take some classes. <laughs> that's that's perfect, too, because I was thinking and I, I mean, again, going with the theory crafting, um, I love I love puns. I love smushing words together. So obviously, Barbarian was like one of the first ones oh, yeah. that were yeah. like needed. So I love the fact that you can do that, because if you look at them on paper, the classes, they really couldn't be further from uh, being able to be compatible. But being able to put that together um, it just shows how much thought you guys have put into this, and and really trying to 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 allow people to play bards in a, in in a different way, and not not have it be you know too stereotyped and too tropey, so they can you know, I think really have fun being artists in an artistic city, and still also be combat oriented too, and you know have fun doing really awesome encounters. Yeah, I keep thinking we the other one that we're really proud of. Well, we're all pr- proud of all of them, but um, this one is the College of Geometry and it's the like the art of math and sacred geometry. And imagine you're an architect, right? And so maybe it's more like an artificer where you're an intelligence based, but you're working behind the scenes. You prepare all your stuff. So you have these mechanisms that come and pop out and or these structures that you can pull from the ground in order to, you know, block opponents or um, or protect your your uh, players. So it's like, how do you, how, like making subclasses that are both inspiring and also intense? Cause we don't want bards just to be this, like, stereotypically, like, oh, they're just there to support everyone. No, like, they can actually be, like, pretty badass. Yeah. Instead of the backing singers, they're the, uh, the forefront of the band. They're the big ones right there making everything happen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, seriously, you guys, Satine, Jameson, I really appreciate you spending some time with me, um, being able to talk about this. I, I, I love the passion that you have for this and all the other projects that you're working on. Right now, you can get this through uh, May 22nd, and I have to imagine beyond that afterwards, but this is for the big stuff. And uh, You've got stretch goals right now that are coming up, um, some amazing stuff, and uh, A, congratulations on already completing and uh, funding the goal, getting to your goal. <laughs> But uh, with everything, especially with Kickstarter, there's so much more. And the fact that uh, the the amount of add-ons from the minis to... Uh, I didn't even mention the fact that, Satine, you're on the cover of the book. How cool is that? The coolest. And, like, uh, Jameson works... He's, like, working with David. 
And he's like, hey, can you do this thing? And he shows me. And I'm just like in tears. First of all, we just got married. He's the most supportive oh, man I've ever met. In the whole- yeah, we met during his Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. during, the, during the, li- the live stream of our Red Opera show, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's just like, wow, this amazing human who wants to play with me every day and Aww. create awesome stuff. And also treats me like amazingly well and does wonderful things like here, honey, why don't you be on the cover of this book? And I'm just like, what is life? You know, and we're (laughs) thinking about when should we do this? And I'm like, well, my birthday is May 22nd. He's like, well, why don't we end it on your birthday and have a big celebration? I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) There's a party. That's going to be amazing. Oh it yeah, was, it was a huge epic. Yes, it's gonna be yeah, live stream. It's gonna be it, it's gonna be so wild <laughs> from eight a.m. Pacific till about um, ten p.m. eleven p.m. Pacific is this whole day, and I'm dungeon mastering every game, and yeah. it's like a bunch of two hour games, <laughs> and then like after we put it all together, I was like. Oh, honey, what have I done? But it's going to be really cool because it's the end of our our campaign. So hopefully, you know, we'll be able to get all these wonderful people to celebrate. And also, I'm used, like, in the real world, I usually have massive birthday parties. And so this is a way to, like, hang out with my friends and also, like, you know, celebrate this cool thing that we did. I've been raising money for other people and their projects for about 10 years. And... Even like doing this feels so vulnerable. I have Jameson who's amazing and makes me feel really comfortable about it, but it is different, you know? And so to see everybody participate and get excited about this and then get excited about like (laughs) Satina on the cover, I was like, "Ah!" you know, it's actually really amazing. So I'm very, very grateful. And I hope that other people can see the passion that we put into it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even looking, if you go to the Kickstarter page and the intro video, you're singing a song that you two and Jason wrote. Like, yep. that's, yeah. that's yeah. super cool, too. Like, all of it is just like, it, it's, uh, I don't I don't necessarily want to say it's a, a dream come true, but it seems that like, you're having, dream- okay, okay. <laughs> we're, we're working with Jason is so, so fantastic. He, he, he is like the true like true, true, true artist and, and musician and bard. And the way, like, I, I've been a writer for many, many years. And so when we were working on the lyrics, it's like, okay, what about this word? It's like, that's a great word, but it doesn't flow. And I was like, help me understand why. And he then, like, just starts singing. I'm like, oh, my God. It just, it literally flows, flows out, out of him. Of him. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's a real honor. Honestly. That was funny because I've made the sirens perform live on stage. I've made them perform <laughs> in game we've gone to conventions and made them perform and so now it was my turn and i'm like i'm the band manager oh wait this is our project i need to sing on it oh boy and uh now i know what that feels like and it's much harder than anyone can ever imagine <laughs> well <laughs> and the fact that he can do it so easily yeah. oh so you were saying that you're a fan of jason's yeah, right absolutely um so i didn't know this until i interviewed him for gm tips i don't know if you saw that episode but he outs the fact that Godhead is a word from an old dragon magazine. Are you serious? Yes. Yeah. I just figured. He's, and then he brought all his old maps and like oh, old campaign wow. from when he was a kid to the show. It was yeah. so cute. I would like that just, I mean, uh, it was such an industrial goth band. I figured it was just something from the goth lexicon that it would just be from that. And that's like totally where I found him. And then, 
uh, I found out he was playing World of Warcraft, and I ended up actually running uh, PvP with him for a while. We were terrible. It was a really bad combo. But uh, we uh, had some fun with that as well, so it was like, oh, wow, you are, you're a super geek. I love this. I love the fact that you can surround yourself now with so many people who are like, yes, D&D's cool now. Like, don't worry about it. Like, and I mean, I'm I'm old enough to remember, you know, when it's not when it wasn't so cool. Yeah. So, uh just the fact that, you know, D&D and uh, you know, 5th edition has made it explode and it's given a chance for so many people to make so much extra content and to put stuff out there that, you know, you don't have to wait um for it to come out years and years down the road. You can make it yourself. Or you can find something like the Bard book and you can put it out there or, uh, you know, back it so you can get all of these amazing things that people have put so much time and effort into. Yeah, you know, we were going over what should we put in the book and realized we have resources. We have so many resources. I mean, 35 episodes of GM tips, right? You've got um, an entire season of Storyteller's Guide. You've got you know, five years of live streaming and virtual gaming on top of all the charity events that we've been doing for the last, uh, you know, 11 years and all the convention games with hundreds of people, you know, running the same game over and over and learning how to make stories for massive groups of people or one shots and individual things that are catered around people. And if you think of it that way, um, it's so interesting to kind of like look forward to what happens when you put a bunch of game masters with, you know, decades of experience together from all different avenues. And how do you um, fine tune that information and make it efficient and uh, digestible? Uh, that is probably one of my favorites to the point of one of the, my, the, my favorite things that we're working on is a dungeon master screen because I never see one that's right. And it makes me <laughs> just innate or insane. I, it makes me really insane. So I am um, very proud to be working with this team so that we can come together and um, show you guys uh, what we've learned over the last uh, 40 years. Uh, I just love the fact that you have the exact same frustration when it comes down to GM screens as I do. It's like, <laughs> I was like, I've got one. This is cool. And I was looking for, I don't know, just like, just basic stuff and i'm like wait this is not updated i'm am i even using a three five i didn't even know it was a D esque screen and it had things that i thought were D on them and by far and large no 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 it was not but that's also why i love stuff like etsy as well because i have yeah. uh friends who have made special gm screens where i can just remove pieces and put in uh the, yeah. the correct ones because that's way more easier than sometimes finding the stuff but the fact that you even put the care and thought into that is fantastic. And, and I have information. So in Sirens Battle of Bards, we have a fame and infamy um, uh, section. So it tracks how famous or infamous your, your, your party is. And a faction tracker, too. We have uh, several factions within the city. So you can very easily tally up exactly where that is and then understand how the city and its the various districts will actually react to your party. Oh. And again, to, to kind of lay out all these different tools for you as the game master to really be able to play quickly, efficiently, and as fun, making as fun as possible and immersive as possible too. I think uh, the most amazing part about that as well is if you just consider the the uh, I'll buy source books just to kind of li lift certain items that would work in my campaign. Something mm -hmm. like a a faction tracker is fantastic because 
you want to have a world that has different things and how people interact with them differently. So to be able to have that, and it's something that you may not necessarily need in the in a campaign for bards right now, but it might be using in your other campaign, and then you can incorporate everything else later on as you want to go along. Another reason why you absolutely have to pick this up. <laughs> we're excited again we're just we're, we're gamers making the things that we ourselves want to have and then are sharing it with other other players yeah it's basically basically all all we're doing from the red opera to this and our future projects it's like man i really wish that and then x whatever x is we're like well we can make it <laughs> And you can follow all of this. If you go to thebardbook.com, you can find all of it. The Kickstarter is for this Sirens Battle of the Bards. Again, Apotheosis Studios will be doing so much more. And you've got the, the Warlock as well. Um, seriously, Jameson Satine, thank you for spending some time with me. Um, all the luck with all of this and, uh, and all the continuing ventures that you guys do. And seriously, congratulations on everything. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. Yeah. Many thanks again to both Satine and Jameson. You can go to thebardbook.com to get to the Kickstarter for Sirens Battle of the Bards. You have until this Saturday, May 22nd. But also, I mean, if you listen to this afterwards, you can go to thebardbook.com. It'll have more information about all of that. And do check out Saturday, May 22nd as it ends, because if you go to the Bard Book, you'll be able to experience Satine's birthday and her D&D. DMing all of those fantastic adventures throughout the day and if uh, you guys want to get a hold of us and talk about some of the fun things we're going to have a normal show on the next episode we'll have all of our fun guests not our guests but our normal hosts back on with all of that Uh, and until next time guys stay nerdy